it time? This is the My New Norm podcast. And I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. Today, we have Dr. Fell. Oh, I mean my favorite brother, Fell Young, who joins me today in studio as we discuss my story of an unexpected change in my life. That it really presented me with the option to thrive or hide. Ready? Here we go. Pour some coffee or a beverage of choice. And let's go now to the podcast. We talk all the time, but it amazes me how crazy life has been not only for us, but many, many people we know, and even those we haven't met yet, they'll, they all have a story about what's been going on in the last uh, 16 months or so. Um, it just seems that people are completely overloaded. They're overwhelmed. And it seems to be because the pace of life, pressures of life, and the pain of life. So today, that, that kind of helps us with this thought. I'm thinking back on my last 16 months. I already know what's happened. The viewers don't, many, many of them. But what was your perspective, what was happening in me the last 16 months? Well, 16 months ago, I was overwhelmed with all of the pressures that you were facing. Uh, you had a, a career change that you were dealing with. You were dealing with your health. You were dealing with uh, your family, your marriage. Uh, separation. You even, yeah. yeah, you even told me you were looking for uh, permanent housing and to find permanent housing in Southern California uh, is, is a major task. Yeah. So you had a lot of pressure on your life uh, 16 months ago. Well, let me just tell everyone if they don't know, um, May 19th of 2020, I was busy working a, a project of taking an old RV and converting it to my office because at the time being a business coach, I thought it would be great with the overhead too, to kind of drive to the beach and work. Uh, so this would have been my, my office. Right in the middle of working on May 19th on the floors, I began to feel real unstable. Didn't know what was going on. There was no pain, but for me, I knew something major was going on. So I sat down, I got ready to call 911 just in case, and I <laughs> stared at my phone, and I thought, 
what is going on in my body. Within just a few minutes, there was some sensation in my right side. Within 20 minutes, um, I had walked outside and was not really able to get back in the RV without a real struggle. I called 911 and uh, they rushed me. It was the most expensive six-mile drive I've ever taken. But wow. we got to the hospital. I realized I was having a major stroke. I didn't know what was going on or what would be going on. But one of the biggest things was not uh, my physical challenge on the right side. I had complete slurred speech. I didn't understand myself. So I got to the hospital. They rushed me in to get an MRI. And... Uh, they willed me back to a room. The doctor was there and she says, Barry, you have had a major stroke. She said, can you lift your right leg or your right arm? And I said, I'm, I'm trying and I, I could. At that time, I could lift it up a little, could move my arm, my fingers, not well, but I, I definitely could move them. And so they put me into ICU for about a two-hour observation time just to see uh, what was going on. And she kept asking me, the nurse, um, about every 15 or so minutes, go ahead and move your foot, your leg, your hand, your arm, and I could do it. And then about... 40 minutes into that observation time, um, she came back in the room and asked me the same question, but the problem was I couldn't move at that point. I had no Everything movement stopped, huh? in my leg, in my arm, and before I knew what was going on, um, about six people rushed in the room and willed me out to the next building to have another MRI to see if I had another stroke. I did not. It was the first stroke that caused that eventually. But as I got into uh, my room um, that night, I'm all alone because it's COVID. They wouldn't allow visitors at all. I heard later that in the parking lot of the hospital, there was a good-sized circle of, uh, of Were these friends. friends? Yeah, friends, family, um, anyone that was close. And they couldn't go in, <laughs> but they were there. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really find that out till months later. You were not able to even... Uh, look through the window to see them because of where you no. were in the room? Oh, okay. No. There was no way that they could visit or communicate with me. And um, pretty much 30 days in the hospital with me and the staff, it wasn't until the last uh, week 
or so uh, getting ready to leave that they allowed my two sons to come in so they could train the sons on how to care for me if needed. And um, anyway, some of the some of the immediate memories that were big memories for me was laying flat on my back, needing assistance to transfer to a wheelchair uh, to go anywhere. And um, I realized that life had just changed. I had always yeah. been, as you know, uh, very physical. Um, there's, you know, there's really nothing I felt I couldn't do, but everything had changed and, uh, I couldn't go back to the old, old norm. I was also feeling the effects of a loss of job, uh, separated from my wife, fear of even having another stroke. You know, they, they always say, you could have another stroke um, days or months after th that one, you know? And uh, I knew I didn't want another one. I also had unmanaged type two. I felt good, but they had told me five years or so before this that I, I, I was a pre-diabetic. So my numbers were questionable depending on what I ate. So unmanaged for five years, they did my A1C in the hospital and told me I was 12.9. Uh, <laughs> oh, my out goodness. Out of 13. So <laughs> they put me on insulin before meals every day. They um, started to manage type 2, and I just thought, this is something I, I don't want to adjust to. I, I want to do whatever it takes. But more than anything, they, you probably remember this, they found a hole in my heart that had been there from birth that I never knew about. And the hole had caused a blood clot that caused the stroke. So blood thinners were part of my life uh, just so there would be no blood clots again or they, they would repair it. But there's some risks involved in that as well. Anyway, I just realized, wow, my life changed. I'm going through all this stuff. And this is where you and I come in. Uh, you were always incredible to stay in touch. As you know, at that first first year, first eight months, it was very, very difficult to communicate. Um, I'd lost my confidence. My brain had a hard time processing and generating a response in a live conversation. So I decided immediately that I could not use the phone. So I had to go to text, texting. And that also meant now my good arm is no longer. I had to train my left hand how to hold the phone and text at the same time. 
and slow everything down in my brain so that I could begin to communicate. And that's where you and I came in. You used to call every morning uh, at breakfast and uh, uh, we would text for, what, 20 minutes or so? And Well, I, I remember that time very well, even though it's been 16 months ago. I remember yeah. the frustration that you had emotionally just trying to communicate your thoughts, communicate uh, what was going on, and... And yet, at the same time, I knew that you were uh, being challenged to use now your left hand to text and at the same time to reach for a word to communicate to me. Because I I know that I probably bugged you to death because I would always... I would would wake up with uh, questions, 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 because... I couldn't be with you. No one could be with you. And to, yeah. I, I just felt, well, I, I need to connect to my brother and I want to be able to ask a question that, you know, he can answer. And at the same time, that would give me an insight as to where you were. But I remember mm. the, the first, the first uh, month, how difficult, the difficulty of the emotional side of just... Yeah you trying to communicate uh, to family and to loved ones. And I, I know yeah. that your inbox was probably loaded with, you know, yeah. people from all over wanting to know how you were doing, wanting to know, you know, what was happening. And, and at the same time, that emotional uh, time for you just to communicate. Uh, but uh I enjoyed being able to connect with you, and I'm I'm glad I got to go through that with you. Yeah, a lot of lot of texting back and forth is what I was eating that morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure it out too. Um, and during that time, you know, there was a, a good sized challenge for me to decide where and what I'm going to do on the other side of this. And uh, one of the things that I grabbed onto was that life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change. And I realized if there's anything that's going to help me is what I'm control over to let go of the things that I'm not control over, but to focus on what can I change that's going to help me become independent and get back to the thought of what is my new norm. Now that's, that's why this podcast is, is called my new norm it's a challenge for all of us, whatever they have gone through, to realize I don't want to stay in a default mode of can't change my life, but walk into a mode that says, you know, I can change some things. Let me start focusing and working towards a new norm. 
And that, that's the excitement about this podcast. It gives me a platform for those who know me or, or don't to be challenged with our own stories to make a better version of, our, of ourselves, really. It's also for me a tremendous challenge to even do this because my confidence is growing. I'm learning how to speak. I'm learning how to get around. It's an everyday opportunity for me to say, I'm going to start where I'm at with this podcast. I hope over the months and years that you could hear this first episode and compare it with season 10 and go, <laughs> wow, I, I don't even recognize him, you know, because I want to work on focusing where I'm at, looking where I want to go, and I want to stay busy doing the things that will get me there. Well, my observation, uh, when I finally was able to visit you in your apartment, I, I was so impressed with your, your determination to get your balance, your determination not only to, to have clear speech, but your determination to get strength on that weak side. I remember you know, sitting on the couch and all of a sudden you would stand up about every 10, 15 minutes, you would stand <laughs> up and go over to the to the counter and, and go through five, 10 minutes of, of exercises while we were talking. But you had such a determination. Um, you, you faced your obstacles, you faced, you faced your weakness and you, you, did not just say, well, whatever will be, will be. You you started making changes. Uh, and I, I was just overwhelmed with with the focus that you maintained for months in just getting your strength, not only to be able to reach for the right word, but to be able to go through the the physical therapy exercises, to, to go through the things that you had caught from your your doctors and you yeah. were very dedicated to not have uh, that weakness and that lack of balance or that lack of speech. Yeah, People well, have to you. realize that they, they have to also realize that you had that stroke when just after you had turned 65. So it was a you, was you were at a there. Well, I just think people, they need to know that everybody <laughs> looks at you that knows you and thinks that you're still, you know, 23, but they need to know that, that this, that age is a turning point in, in a man's life anyway. And then to face mm -hmm. a major stroke and to face a major career change and a major uh, dealing with family and your marriage and, and all of that. Uh, and then at the same time, I want my speech back. I want my strength back. I want to, I want to walk without a cane. All of that was still going on in your, in your hmm. process of where you are today. And I, as a brother, wow. I, I'm very proud of, of, of the, of the steps that you have taken during these 16 months. Well, thank you. 
I'll tell you the, you know, I learned right away what PT was, what OT was, and ST was. <laughs> my ther- my therapist, if it be physical, occupational, or speech, they really know what they're doing. But even if it was just good information, I still had to apply it. Um, and that's another thing I learned and continue to learn with all the information readily available to us. It does us no good if we're if we don't spend time to apply it. So yes, that's a big thing. I think my brain came up with we are informationally rich, but application poor. The yes. only way change will come is if we take the information and we we begin to use it apply it my um my my brain had a hard time understanding just how fast or slow the process is it even today i have a problem with that it seems like it's such a slow process but when i talk to you or another family member or look at an old picture in the hospital and I have a thought, it, it speeds it up, but living it slow. Um, yeah, I came home from the hospital in a wheelchair. I, I then moved to what's called a Hemi, which looks like a step ladder to a four point cane uh, and vacillated between the cane singularly and a four point. And today, um, unless I'm going to a store, I have no cane. It's just me. I do have a brace to help me with my drop foot. But even if I take that off, I can still move around without a cane. And that that may not seem like a lot, but I know it's taken a year and a half. The brain, I learned so many things about the brain. The brain that you and I have has the ability to repair or develop new pathways where there has been damage. In the strokes life, you still have your your right side. The problem is in the brain. It's lost its connectiveness to a function. So my exercise or therapy is to continue to do things until I have developed a communication from my brain to the arm, leg, toes, whatever. So it's a slow process, but if you think about what your brain's doing, it it blows you away. Wow. You know? So that 
So you experience being tired physically, but it's that that work of the brain and all of all of the connecting the dots, yeah. all of that work was exhausting as well, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's usually about eight thirty or nine o'clock at night. I uh, I will fill my brain saying I need a rest. <laughs> I've been working all day just just to uh, develop the new norm. I need a break. There are times in therapy, especially with my arm or hand, where they will have me pick up a small um, cube and move it over to the, the other side of the container. Well, that's no real big chore for my left hand, but my right hand... It is not only hard, I can feel my brain trying to connect. I, I literally wow. know where it is in my brain and I'm pushing um, the brain to get a hold of that function. There's just a lot. Um, I thought maybe I would have a year of therapy it's, it's more of a lifetime. They say probably the first five years, you're still moving, finding new movement and getting stronger. And it can be 10 years as well. It's five, you know. Wow, that's a so, long road. Yeah, it is. Um, but what are you going to do? You can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can't go back. And if I have any say in this, it's that I want to move forward. I have well, one to of the it. things that you mentioned in one of our conversations was the the struggle of defaulting back to a comfortable mm. zone, and mm. that that uh, that whole principle to me is where a lot of us are. It's it's so easy to default to a comfortable place instead of like you say, trying to connect the nerves, the muscles, trying to get the brain to to uh, go to a place it doesn't want to go, and and yeah. I have met yeah. I have met people in my life that uh, since you've gone through this stroke, I've re rethought some of my uh, friends that have gone through strokes, and they have there's some of them that have just stayed at a comfortable place. They've mm. defaulted to a comfortable place and they still are very limited um, with their disability that has come as a result yeah. of a stroke. They just got comfortable and they didn't want to go through the pain process that you're describing and the the exhaustion that the brain has uh, signaled to you. It's time to go to bed. It's time to stop. Mm. Well, I actually learned a lot about the brain in my becoming a certified business coach. There you're going to learn how powerful your brain is. The brain's main function is to keep you safe in your environment and it picks up on patterns so I can repeat, those are the things that become 
easier and easier for us to do. You'd call it a habit or routine. Right. Well, in my experience, after the stroke, the first thing my body did was trying to find out what happened. It then found that because I was leaning on the left side, not only for balance, but it's the only thing it could really communicate to. So it took more resources to give to the left side. Now that's survival mode. That's where you can end up. But the problem with that is therapy helps you to push past that, pull more resources from your left side so that you can start working on the right side. That's something I learned. And I now know the brain is not always going to tell you the right thing to do. You have to learn to talk to yourself in the morning and not be confident just to have yourself talk to you. Or else, <laughs> I I, like that. or else I'd still be in bed. You need to get up and begin to move forward. You have to tell your brain. We're used to having our brain tell us. And that's that's part of therapy. And that's for anyone. You know, when you decide to lose weight, you struggle with your brain. Sure. It has triggers that, oh, I want, I want the candy bar or the piece of cake, you know, um, if it's an emotional eating, that's what's going to happen or whatever. Those are triggers. But to break that pattern, you have to replace it with another pattern. That's what my brain is doing when I'm pushing it for function, uh, new functions on my right side, I have to replace the, you can't do it to, yes, you can do it. It's, it's going to be a new groove in your brain. And each time you do it, you're going to find that uh, uh, it becomes more of a pathway. So that was another Good. thing. I'm glad you, you brought that out. Well, people are listening to my story and they're thinking, wow, I'm glad it didn't happen to me. Or maybe it did. But I know that the listeners today can ad really identify with finding out where they are, where they want to go, and getting a plan together that will help get them there. That could be a new job. It could be uh, a health issue. It could be uh, a project or a relationship. Uh, it could be anything, but it's really, we're all the same. We start the same place. You realize where you are, where are you starting? Where do you want to go? Having a plan that's going to get you there and sticking to it. I just want to thank you for being here to help uh, really share my story today. And thank you, the listener, uh, for being here. And please help, help us get the word out.
Until the next episode, this is Barry Scott Young. And remember, life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change.